This is uh, Jim Fetzer, the conspiracy guy. A Sputnik News reported, let the games begin. Congress opens anti-Russia witch hunt hearings. Actually, it's beyond that. It's a wild goose chase. Because no matter how you interpret this idea of Russian hacking or interference in our election, there's no evidence to sustain it. It's a nothing burger. There is no a beef. We already know from members of the Senate Intelligence Committee who are quietly admitting they're not expecting to find any evidence of active informed collusion. That's on the Senate side. On the House, even the head, Chairman Devin Nunes, has admitted that Trump Tower may have been under surveillance. He can't rule it out. When you get to the actual hearing itself, you find that the uh, director of the NSA, Admiral Rogers, and the director of the FBI, uh, James Comey, both in response to questions about whether the Russians had any interference with the actual tallying of the votes uh, on Election Day, the answer from both is no. Well, that's one of the three interpretations that can be placed upon this Russian hacking meme. The second, of course, being the claim that the uh, uh, there was a, a Russians had blackmail information on Trump, including the claim that he had hired two prostitutes to pee on a bed that Obama had slept in, which was rubbish on its face. We know the origin came as fan fiction from a member of the 4chan chat board who forwarded it to a never-Trumper who treated it as though it were real and sent it to the CIA, which, unbelievably enough, took it at face value as though it were valuable. I have read the dossier, 35 pages, virtually no content there, unless you regard this as a nugget of wisdom, namely that RT... Russia Today, the news outlet, is pro-Russia. That's about as illuminating as anything you'll find there. And indeed, we know regarding this whole business that the deputy director of the FBI, uh, Andrew McCabe, said to Rents Priebus during a one-on-one meeting on February 15th that a New York Times story on the subject was, to quote the deputy director, bullshit, We also know, of course, that uh, Trump has tweeted that James Clapper, the uh, former director of national intelligence, called me yesterday to denounce a false and fictitious report that was illegally circulated, made up, phony facts, too bad. It's all completely ridiculous that anyone should have taken it seriously. Well, that's two of the three prongs. The one that remains has to do with the idea that Russia hacked the emails from the Democratic National Committee. Here's a comment, by the way, from James Carden, executive director of the America Committee for East-West Accord. He said, FBI Director James Comey appeared before the House Select Intelligence Committee this morning, that would be Monday morning, to tell the committee that he would be unable to discuss the details of the FBI's counterintelligence investigation because it's an ongoing one. In so doing, in the space of a single sentence, Comey unmasked the meaningless nature of the committee's enterprise, 
which is simply to provide House members a public platform to play their respective bases. The noon shift hearings are proving to be political theater of the worst kind. I would uh, undermine that is indeed the case, where we now know, of course, uh, from the Vault 7 revelations from WikiLeaks, that the agency has the ability, through its umbrage program, to conduct cyber attacks and to portray another nation as having been the perpetrator. Uh, Discussing the CIA's remote device branch umbrage group, WikiLeaks source notes that it collects and maintains a substantial library of attack techniques stolen from malware produced in other states, including the Russian Federation. As Kim.com has summarized, CIA uses techniques to make cyber attacks look like they originate from enemy state. It turns DNC Russia hack allegation by CIA into a joke. But we should have known that already. Does everyone forget that as even the, the UK Independent reported, the Democratic National Committee did not allow the FBI to examine the hacked servers before the agency blamed Russia as a culprit. How could they have possibly known? Here's another from CNN Politics. FBI, DNC, rebuffed requests to examine computer servers. Washington, CNN. The Democratic National Committee rebuffed a request from the FBI to examine its computer services after it was allegedly hacked by Russia during the 2016 election, a senior law enforcement official has reported. The FBI repeatedly stressed to DNC officials the necessity of obtaining direct access to servers and data, only to be rebuffed until well after the initial compromise had been mitigated, a senior law enforcement official told CNN. This left the FBI no choice but to rely upon a third party for information. These actions caused significant delays and inhibited the FBI from addressing the intrusion earlier. Well, there was no intrusion. Here's another report. FBI says the Democratic Party wouldn't let agency the hacked email servers. Questions about the Democratic National Committee hack and Russia's alleged involvement have been swirling for months and have intensified as the intelligence community prepares to brief President-elect Donald Trump about his conclusions on Friday and release a declassified report next week. Ahead of this announcement, the DNC told BuzzFeed on Wednesday that neither the FBI nor any other intelligence agency ever did an independent assessment of the organization's breach servers. Instead, they alleged the FBI relied exclusively on information from private digital forensics company CrowdStrike. Now the FBI is refuting this account of the event, but it appears to be completely true. Why in the world would the DNC not allow the FBI access to its servers to substantiate that they had been hacked? The answer, of course, is all too apparent. They weren't hacked. We actually know, as I've reported multiple times, how the DNC emails were released when Seth Rich, the IT guy for the DNC, who was uh, disillusioned by the uh, sabotaging of Bernie Sanders' campaign, provided them to Craig Murray, an intelligence analyst, UK ambassador to Uzbekistan, 
uh, head of a college and friend of Julian Assange, to the WikiLeaks founder for publication. Both Craig Murray and Julian Assange have affirmed they know the identity of the leaker, that he was not Russian, that Russia had nothing to do with this, and that, the you know, as is the case with all other emails that WikiLeaks has published, they, their authenticity has never been challenged. Uh, but what a brilliant stroke on the part of the DNC to distract from the massive evidence that the DNC was sabotaging Bernie Sanders' campaign, that Hillary Clinton was running pay-for-play out of the Clinton Foundation, using her office as Secretary of State in order to, uh, you know, make, make vast sums of money, and other, other nonsense going on uh, here, which needed to be clarified, studied, examined, than to claim Russia did it. Russia did it. There's not an ounce of proof that Russia did anything. In fact, st- stop and think about it. Donald Trump wasn't supposed to win the election. The media told us again and again and again that Hillary had a massive lead. He didn't stand a chance. There wasn't even any point in going out to vote for him. They showed us one fake poll after another demonstrating Hillary had a massive lead. The fact that Michael Moore predicted that Hillary was going to lose because she had neglected the working class families in the Rust Belt states of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin has had no impact at all on the DNC's defense that they Hillary lost because the Russians hacked the emails and released it to the public to smear her. And think of the ingenuity of it. They also claim that, that, that it's easy to tell the Russians were favoring Trump because they didn't release any hacked emails from the RNC. Chuck Todd interviewed Rince Priebus about this, and Rince Priebus had to repeat three different times. We weren't hacked. We weren't hacked. We weren't hacked to get Chuck Todd to modify his predetermined narrative that we could tell that the Russians were favoring Trump because they didn't release hacked information from the RNC. But the fact of the matter is there wasn't hacked anything from either the DNC or the RNC. It's complete nonsense, or to paraphrase the, the deputy director of the FBI in relation to the Trump-Russian dossier story, it's complete bullshit. Complete bullshit. And yet they're running the country crazy with all these you know, live reports from the hearings that are meaningless based on nothing, on a fabricated story about hacking that's never been substantiated, where the DNC wouldn't even allow the FBI to examine the servers they claim to be hacked. What other possible explanation is available? If, if it had been real... The DNC would have wanted the FBI to have access to the servers and to confirm it. That has the highest possible probability. But if it was unreal, the DNC would not have wanted the FBI to get access because it would have been obvious to them that they had not been hacked and thereby they would have wanted to resort to some intervening third party to under the pay of the DNC to make up such a story, which is exactly what happened. So if if it wasn't hacked, then what happened is exactly what you would expect. If it was hacked, then precisely the opposite took place. This isn't a tough call. 
The, the, the WikiLeaks revelations are also significant in revealing that surveillance has been taking place of Trump and his family, that the, they had a, an Operation Dragnet, Washington, D.C., Infowars.com have obtained credible information from law enforcement sources regarding individual records of U.S. citizens under National Security Agency electronic surveillance in the years 2004 through 2010. A database that suggests both Donald A. Trump and Alex Jones were under illegal, unauthorized government monitoring during those years. Uh, Here are some of the stories that have previously appeared. While attempts have been made to deny such domestic surveillance, reports from the New York Times in 2014 showing the Central Intelligence Agency had done just that by spying on a Senate panel investigating the agency's use of enhanced interrogation. Here's the headline from the New York Times. Inquiry by CIA affirms it spied on Senate panel. Here's another in a 2016 article from The Guardian entitled A Constitutional Crisis, the CIA turns on the Senate. It, it is likewise noted just how drastic and widespread the CIA's domestic surveillance operation was. And not only that, but there's a whole lot more coming out under what's known as Operation Hammer or the Hammer, which was some uh, uh, supercomputer run by the CIA at Fort Washington in Maryland that was conducting massive surveillance. This is coming out. When the Donald said in the next few weeks, we're going to have some interesting findings, you can, you can take that to the bank. There's no doubt about it. Not only that, but Judicial Watch is now revealing uh, that it has been conducting its own investigation, that it's made an appeal to the, to the, to the inquiry to get serious about uh, its discoveries in relation to all of these issues, uh, some of which I will read, uh, and where this is uh, the same guy who ran Judicial Watch, uh, Larry Clayman, and did so much good, Freedom Watch, urgent for immediate consideration, March 21st, 2017. The Honorable Devin Nunes, Chairman, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, Re unasked questions about whistleblower Dennis Montgomery at committee hearings on surveillance leaks and alleged Russian involvement in 2016 presidential elections. Honorable ladies and gentlemen, you may recall that I won landmark decisions before the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia before the Honorable Richard Leon preliminarily enjoining the illegal, warrantless, and massive surveillance of U.S. citizens and lawful residents within the domestic United States, see Clayman versus Obama. Freedom Watch Incorporated here addresses the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence hearings, which began on March 20th, 2017, investigating in part whether President Donald Trump and his associates were wiretapped, that is, illegally and unconstitutionally spied upon in general, both before and after the President Trump's inauguration by the administration of his predecessor, former President Barack Obama, and about alleged Russian collaboration with President Trump aides in the run-up to the 2016 presidential election and thereafter. As general counsel of Freedom Watch, previously the founder of Judicial Watch, and a former federal prosecutor in the U.S. Department of Justice, I petitioned this committee to have Chairman Devin Dunes 
News of the committee questioned Federal Bureau of Investigation Director James Comey about apparent illegal and unconstitutional surveillance of prominent Americans, such as the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, other justices, 156 judges, prominent businessmen, and others such as President Donald Trump. I incorporate by reference an article I wrote, which appeared in Newsmax on Sunday, March 19, 2017, explaining my efforts to have the commission question FBI Director Comey about what is supposed to be an ongoing investigation of materials and testimony provided by whistleblower Dennis Montgomery, a former NSA and Central Intelligence contractor. Regrettably, Neither Chairman Nunes nor anyone else on the committee raised the serious questions I suggested be posed to FBI Director Comey at the hearings on March 20, 2017. In the interest of justice and a full hearing of the important issues before it, these questions must be asked in open session at the subsequent hearing now scheduled for March 28, 2017. Indeed, Chairman Nunes asked that persons with important and relevant information come forward. That is exactly what whistleblower Dennis Montgomery has done through me, his undersigned counsel. In this regard, on March 20, 2017, Chairman Devin Nunes opened the hearings by saying, to that end, we encourage anyone who has information about these topics to come forward and speak to the House Intelligence Committee. Spoken at time 3.15 to 3.30. There's a myriad of evidence, direct and circumstantial, of the illegal and unconstitutional surveillance disclosed to the FBI by Montgomery, and I do not need to belabor all of it here because it is currently contained in FBI files. However, former NSA and CIA contractor Montgomery holds much of the roadmap to draining the swamp of this corruption of our democracy. A summary of Montgomery's efforts to expose rampant illegal and unconstitutional surveillance on American citizens and prominent individuals such as President Trump is as follows. Montgomery left the NSA and CIA with 47 hard drives and over 600 million pages of information, much of which is classified, and sought to come forward legally as a whistleblower to appropriate government entities, including congressional intelligence committees, to expose that the spy agencies were engaged for years in systematic illegal surveillance on prominent Americans, again, including the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, other justices, 156 judges, prominent businessmen such as Donald Trump, and even yours truly. Working side by side with former Obama Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, who lied in congressional testimony, and former Obama Director of the CIA, the equally ethically challenged John Brennan, Montgomery witnessed up close and personal this Orwellian Big Brother intrusion on privacy, likely for potential coercion, blackmail, or other nefarious purposes. But when Montgomery came forward as a whistleblower to congressional intelligence committees and various other congressmen and senators, including Senator Charles Grassley, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, who, like Comey, once had a reputation for integrity, he was blown off. No one wanted to even hear what he had to say. The reason I suspect is that Montgomery's allegations were either too hot to handle or the Congressional Intelligence and Judiciary Committee already knew that this, unco- of this, on- that this unconstitutional surveillance was being undertaken. After Montgomery was turned away as a whistleblower, he came to me at Freedom Watch. With the age of the aid of the Honorable Roy C. Lamberth of the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, 
who I have come to respect and trust over the years of my public interest advocacy. We brought Montgomery forward to FBI Director James Comey through his general counsel, James Baker. Under grants of immunity, which I obtained through Assistant U.S. Attorney Deborah Curtis, Montgomery produced the hard drives and later was interviewed under oath in a secure room at the FBI field office in the District of Columbia. It was there that Montgomery laid out how persons like then-businessman Donald Trump were illegally spied upon by Clapper, Brennan, and the spy agencies of the Obama administration. He even claimed that these spy agencies had manipulated voting in Florida during the 2008 presidential election, where illegal tampering resulted in helping Obama to win the White House. Montgomery's interview with the FBI, conducted and videotaped by special FBI agents Walter Giardina and, and William Barnett, occurred almost two years ago, and nothing that I know of has happened since. It would appear that the FBI's investigation was buried by FBI Director Comey, perhaps because the FBI itself collaborates with the spy agencies to conduct illegal surveillance. In landmark court cases, which I filed after the revelations of Edward Snowden, the Honorable Richard Leon, a colleague of Judge Lamberth, had ruled that this type of surveillance constituted a gross violation of the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. A few months ago, given the FBI's seeming inaction in conducting a bona fide, timely investigation of the treasure trove of information Montgomery had produced and testified to, I went to Chairman Bob Goodlatte of the House Judiciary Committee, as I had done earlier with Senator Grassley, since Montgomery had revealed that judges had been spied upon, and asked his staff to inquire of Director Comey the status of the investigation. I have heard nothing back from Goodlatte or his staff, and they have not responded to recent calls and emails. So last Thursday, I traveled to Capitol Hill to personally meet with Chairman Devin Nunes of the House Intelligence Committee and when his scheduler claimed that he was unavailable. I forcefully pushed for a meeting with one of his committee lawyers, Alan R. Souza, and fully briefed him about Montgomery and the FBI's apparent cover-up. I told this staff intel lawyer to inform Chairman Nunes of the facts behind this apparent cover-up before the committee holds its hearings on the alleged Trump wiretaps and was to question Comey last Monday, March 20th, in open session. My express purpose? To have Chairman Nunes of the House Intelligence Committee ask Comey under oath why he and his FBI have seemingly not moved forward with the Montgomery investigation while... On the other hand, the FBI uh, director recently claimed publicly, I believe falsely, that there is, quote, no evidence, end quote, of surveillance on President Trump and those around him by the Obama administration. Indeed, there is. During my meeting with House Intelligence Committee counsel Alan Arsouza, I politely warned him that if Chairman Nunes who himself had that same day undercut President Trump by also claiming there is no evidence of surveillance by the Obama administration, does not question Comey about the FBI's Montgomery investigation. I would go public with what would appear to be the House Intelligence Committee's complicity in keeping the truth from the American public and allowing the FBI to continue its apparent cover-up of Montgomery's revelations as a whistleblower. And that is where it stands today. The big question... Will the committee do its job and hold FBI Director Comey to account about uh, to account about the Montgomery investigation? Or will the members of this honorable committee, uh, like virtually every other politician in both parties, 
run away from the president and the American people's concerns. The president, his aides, and millions of other Americans have systematically had their Fourth Amendment and other constitutional rights to privacy violated. Thus far, there appears to be an ongoing cover-up of the FBI's investigation of the materials and testimony provided by Montgomery, which bear on matters before this committee. Please respond to my letter by close of business March 24, 2017, in order that the American people and Mr. Montgomery may know where you and the other members of your committee stand. Do you intend to get at and investigate the full truth, or has... uh, uh, or has, uh, uh, as uh, regrettably been the case for many years, uh, sweep the truth under the carpet. Sincerely, Larry Clayman, Esquire, Chairman and General Counsel, Freedom Watch Incorporated, 2020 Pennsylvania Avenue, etc. Larry Clayman is a serious guy. Larry Clayman has a, 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 a mountain of evidence for this ongoing surveillance. Larry Clayman is going to drive to get the truth out before the public. But it should be obvious already from that report that even this hearing and and whatever the Senate may do appears already to be on the path of covering up the most monstrous surveillance in American history. Remember, it was Admiral Poindexter back in 2001 who released Total Information Awareness that revealed that every email, every phone call, every medical and financial record of every American was under surveillance. The name Total Information Awareness created such consternation that they actually changed it to Terrorist Information Awareness, bearing in mind that in order to determine who within the population is a terrorist, they felt obligated to review everyone's data, doing data mining using keywords and the like. But, but really, by now, we should be aware that if there was massive surveillance of any, everyone, how could anyone such as Donald Trump be excluded? Indeed, even the justice of the Supreme Court, 156 other justices and a host of others, as Larry Klayman is inv- informing us. Be aware. Don't be deceived. What's going on is not, is not just political theater and a wild goose chase, but a deliberate subversion of the truth, a cover-up by the committees that declare their intention is to reveal surveillance if it exists, not to conceal it. But obviously, precisely the opposite is taking place. Egad, we even know the NSA has been caught intercepting online purchases such as from Amazon.com for computers, cell phones, and the like, in order to install spy malware. As I've also explained, although Ben Rhodes maintained no president can order a wiretrap, we learn from Chapter 36 of Title 50 of the U.S. Code War and National Defense, Subchapter 1, Section 1802, notwithstanding any other law, The president may, through the attorney general, authorize electronic surveillance without a court order, without a court order, under this chapter to acquire foreign intelligence information for periods of up to one year if the attorney general certifies in writing to the following. I reported before that Duran has listed 12 victims of surveillance by Obama, WikiLeaks released the following list on February 23rd. I repeat it again. One, the NSA bugged uh, a meeting of U.N. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon and German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Two, Obama bugged Chief of Staff of U.N.I. Commissioner for Refugees. Three, 
Obama singled out the director of the rules division of the WTO for targeting. Four, Obama stole sensitive diplomatic cables uh, detailing how uh, Bibi Netanyahu implored Italy's prime minister, Silvio Berlusconi, to help patch up his relations with Obama. Five, Obama intercepted top EU and Japanese trade ministers discussing their strategy and red lines to stop the U.S. from extorting them over the WTO. Six, Obama explicitly targeted five other top EU economic officials for long-term interception. Seven, Obama explicitly targeted the phones of Italy's ambassador to NATO and other top Italian officials. Eight, Obama intercepted details of a crucial private meeting between then-French President Sarkozy, Merkel, and Berlusconi. Nine, in addition, we know now Obama wiretapped various individuals in the U.S. media who are reporting information not flattering to the Obama administration. Ten, in 2013, the Washington Post expressed outrage over the revelation that the Justice Department had investigated the news-gathering activities of a Fox reporter, James Rosen. Uh, in, in addition, uh, 11 uh, members of the Associated Press were also a target of the surveillance. The New Yorker even noted in liberal and moderate circles, at least the phone record scandal, partly because it involves a dear old AP, partly because it raises anew the specter of Big Brother, may well present the most serious threat to Obama's reputation. 12. Reporter Cheryl Atkinson said in 2014, her personal computer and CBS laptop were hacked after she began filing stories about Benghazi that were unflattering to the Obama administration. A source who checked her laptop said that the hacker had used spyware proprietary to a government agency. That means proprietary to an American government agency, according to an article in the New York Post. And we even have that paragon of virtue among all the members of the Congress, Dennis Kucinich, I support Trump's assertion of wiretapping because it happened to me, too. I mean, how much of this uh, of this falderall of these uh, flimsy denials uh, of these claims that this is merely a conspiracy theory are we supposed to believe? Stand by. I'll be right back. Did you know that the license for the Pulse Club expired in 2013? That its legal occupancy was only 150? That if 50 had been killed and 53 wounded, there should have been abandoned cars all over the place? Did you know that the Dallas photograph of a series of officers behind a large wall was photoshopped? That they had to increase the size of the wall to fit the officers in? That they had orange blank adapters on their weapons? Did you know that Hillary has used body doubles? One following her collapse at the 9-11 event was shorter, weighed 35 to 40 pounds less, and looked at least 10 years younger. A May Ryan type, a second, on the plane to Greensboro was taller and slimmer and looked more like Meryl Streep. We prove it all. Don't let yourself be played. Check out From Orlando to Dallas and Beyond. Hi, if you're interested in the book From Orlando to Dallas and Beyond, then contact me in New Orleans at 504 298 Six seven nine one, or you can go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com. 504-298-6791. This is the conspiracy guy. Did you know that the police in Boston were broadcasting? This is a drill. This is a drill on bullhorns during the marathon. That the Boston Globe was tweeting. 
that a demonstration bomb would be set off during the marathon for the benefit of bomb squad activities, and that one would be set off in one minute in front of the library, which happened as the Globe had announced, that peering through the smoke, you could see bodies with missing arms and legs, but there was no blood that the blood only showed up later and came out of a tube, that they used amputee actors in a studio-quality smoke machine, that the prosecution of the brothers blaming them for the crime was staged. Don't let yourself be played. Check out, and nobody died in Boston either. Available at moonrockbooks.com. That's moonrockbooks.com. This is a conspiracy guy continuing... Trump offered no apology for observing during his press conference with Angela Merkel that they both shared something in common because they both had been spied upon by the Obama administration. During the question period, he alluded to a very talented legal mind on Fox and suggested they ought to consult Fox. Well, instead of going to the actual source, Judge Napolitano, who is respected and admired with everyone familiar with his work. They went to Shepard Smith, who was a complete and total shill, who said Fox had no knowledge and no substantiation. I am convinced that Shepard Smith is among the media owned by the CIA, as William Colby explained to a congressional investigative panel back in 1975, to wit that the agency owns everyone a significance in the mainstream media. Not only... Uh, Shepard Smith, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, uh, Wolf Blitzer, uh, Anderson Cooper. I now add to the list uh, Rachel Maddow. I'm convinced of it. Their activity supports it. They aren't seekers of truth. They are disseminators and purveyors of disinformation and propaganda. If he had mentioned Judge, Judge Napolitano, Napolitano could have explained Three intelligence sources have informed Fox News that President Obama went outside the chain of command, Napolitano said. He didn't use the NSA. He didn't use the CIA. He didn't use the FBI. He didn't use the Department of Justice. Instead, Napolitano said Obama used GCHQ, which is either General Communications or Government Communications Headquarters, a British intelligence and security organization that has 24-7 to the NSA database. There are no American fingerprints on this, Napolitano said. What happened to the guy who ordered it? Resigned three days after Donald Trump was inaugurated. Well, there you have confirmation coming, too, from Wayne Madsen, whom I have called out for endorsing Sandy Hook. The Boston bombing in Orlando was legit when they were staged events about which I not only have uh, explained the evidence but published books. You can find Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. Uh, 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 online, uh, you can order from moonrockbooks.com. And nobody died in Boston either. <clears throat> online from moonrockbooks.com. Uh, from Orlando to Dallas and beyond, which includes 100 photographs of Hillary Clinton and her doubles, two of her body doubles, where yet another showed up on Broadway and a New York Times reporter was featuring how uh, Hillary was in the house uh, oblivious of the fact that she wasn't protected by Secret Service because it wasn't even Hillary. I wrote him to point out this was one of her many doubles without any response at all. That's a level of integrity 
exemplified by the New York Times today. That's part of the reason why subscribers are, are falling off. Its subscription base is shortening up, and it's having to resort for advertising in the first time in its history. Our nation's newspaper of record is publishing rubbish, garbage, nonsense, as though it were news. In any case, Wayne Madsen, in his Wayne Madsen report of March 2021, Five Eyes do spy on each other's political leaders. Five Eyes, he's talking about the intelligence services of Canada, the UK, New Zealand, Australia, and the United States. Contrary to a rare public announcement by Britain's eavesdropping agency, there is a rich history of the Five Eyes signals intelligent partners spying on each other's politicians. In other words, claims by the UK's government communications headquarters GCHQ, that it did not spy on U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump on behalf of former President Barack Obama may not be completely true. The word false appears here, but he obviously meant true. National Security Agency Director Admiral Mike Rogers and British intelligence officials have rejected White House claims of British spying on Trump. The Five Eyes is an alliance of GCHQ, the U.S. National Agency, the Australian Signals Directorate, Communications Security Establishment Canada, and the New Zealand Government Communication Security Bureau. The British, uh, in response to the allegation, said, recent allegation made by media commentator Judge Andrew Napolitano about GCHQ being asked to conduct wiretapping against the president-elect are nonsense. They are utterly ridiculous and should be ignored, while Napolitano's statement on Fox News was hearsay because he was repeating what other sources had told him. The history of the five power signals intelligence relationships strongly suggests that the sig- intelligence part Partners have engaged in spying on each other's politicians as a method to bypass national laws prohibiting such surveillance without a court order. In the, in the U.S., such orders are issued by a special intelligence surveillance court, FISA, pursuant to 1978 Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. In other nations, the U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand have similar laws in place. Unless, of course, it's being done under the auspices of uh, chapter 36 of Title 50 of the U.S. Code, which reads, notwithstanding any other law, notwithstanding any other law, the president, through the attorney general, through the attorney general, may authorize electronic sur- surveillance without a court order, without a court order. So how much nonsense are we going to get? Brian Williams was trying to strengthen the claim by Trump as though when he used the word wiretapping, he didn't mean surveillance. He meant the actual physical act of tapping phones, a term which has become far broader in use. You'd think he might as well insist that what uh, 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 Trump was alleging was that Barack Obama personally went to Trump Tower and installed taps on the physical phone lines. I mean, that's the degree of the level of absurdity we've reached in the United States today. Brian William, another name that belongs on that list of CIA assets in the mainstream media. Now, Trump has observed that very interesting evidence will prove Obama's wiretapping crimes. Larry Klayman has given us an indication of what is in the works here because his former uh, NSA CIA guy, Montgomery, has been spilling the beans. He's got the evidence. He's got what does he have? How massive is is his database? Uh, really stunning stuff. 
Uh, I'm just looking for the number again to repeat it. Uh, Oh, here it is. Number two, uh, that he has uh, taken a, you know, uh, here it is, 47 hard drives, 600 million pages of information, much of which is classified, such to come forward legally as a whistleblower. They don't care. Even though this includes surveillance of the chief justice of the Supreme Court, other justices, 156 judges, prominent businessmen such as Donald Trump and even yours truly, meaning Larry Clayman himself. I mean, this is insulting beyond belief. They have the evidence in hand. Montgomery provided it. And, and Larry Clayman through Freedom Watch has been following up. But then again, we even have the New York Times lying through its teeth because it published an article on January 20th, the day of the inauguration, a top page headline, wiretap data used in inquiry of Trump aides examining Russian ties. And yet on the 4th of March, it publishes Trump offering no evidence as Obama tapped his phone. All Obama had to do was to read the New York Times, contradicting itself. I mean, no wonder its subscription base is folding. They had one of the authors of the article appear on one of the networks, probably uh, may have been CNN, which is really better designated CIA, who was saying that anyone who thought that meant surveillance was going on was misunderstanding the article. What balderdash. Here's the first paragraph of the article in the online version where they dropped the word wiretap. American law enforcement and intelligence agencies are examining intercepted communications and financial transactions as part of a broad investigation into possible leaks between Russian officials and associates of President-elect Donald J. Trump, including his former campaign chairman Paul Manafort, current and former senior American official set. Well, how do you get intercepted communications if not from a form of surveillance, whether you call it wiretap or not? And if the New York Times is calling it a wiretap, surely that establishes its usage is sufficiently broad to cover all the bases here. Uh, When Clapper revealed about this Russian dossier made up nonsense phony, we had a bonanza of headlines. Uh, Fox News, President Trump exonerated concerning Russian ties. Russian claims made up. No evidence found. Trump haters livid. Democrats stormed out of a briefing on Russian hacking, furious with one of the briefers, Comey. The FBI director has no credibility, said Representative Maxine Waters of California. ABC, no evidence Trump campaign aides recruited by Russia, former top spy chief says. Former director of national intelligence James Clapper told ABC News he did not see anything to suggest that Russia successfully infiltrated Donald Trump's presidential campaign or recruited any of Trump's advisors, at least as of January 20th, when the retired three-star general left office. Even Noam Chomsky, the icon of the liberal left, World is laughing at claims Russia hacked election. CNBC, lawmaker in charge of Trump-Russia probe, no evidence, no special prosecutor. And as I've reported before, former CIA analyst Larry Johnson, who joined the agency in 1985, was later promoted to become senior regional analyst for Central America. Clapper and Brennan intimately involved in plot to derail Trump's candidacy. According to his sources, the Obama administration worked with the NSA, the CIA, and Britain's GCHQ to disseminate information about Donald Trump that was illegally obtained via surveillance before the election. 
How much more data do we need? How dumb are we supposed to be? This is insulting beyond belief. And representatives like Adam Schiff are playing us for suckers and saps. He's among the most vicious and vitriolic in attacking Trump for allegations that he has to know have no substance, no warrant, are completely false and fictional. It's embarrassing. The American government has been reduced to the level of below a banana republic. This doesn't even ascend that high. Here's Scott Uliner, Obama running a shadow government, America in totally unknown territory. Former CIA officer Scott Olinger says that former Barack Obama, President Obama is running his own shadow government. Ulinger contends shadow government is a mainstream expression even in the countries where I lived. When you are a prime minister in power, you always had an opposition prime minister or a shadow prime minister. The opposition got, fires up his guys, and each of them has an opposite number in the administration. Actually, Obama has set up, and he can call it anything he wants, but effectively it is a shadow government, and it's designed to undercut the legitimacy of the Trump administration. We are in unknown territory here. Uh, It appears, too, we have another report. Obama gave taxpayer money to Soros to spark leftist political revolution. Congress demands investigation into Obama administration meddling in foreign elections. A group of leading senators is calling on newly installed Secretary of State Rex Tillerson to immediately launch an investigation into efforts by the Obama administration to sway foreign elections, foreign elections, by sending taxpayer funds to extreme and sometimes violent political activists that promote leftist causes, according to a copy of the letter. The lawmakers disclosed multiple conversations with foreign diplomats who outlined active political matters by the Obama administration's State Department, including the use of taxpayer funds to support leftist causes in Macedonia, Albania, Latin America, and Africa. A a portion of the State Department funding appears to have gone to organizations supported by the controversial liberal billionaire George Soros, according to the letter, which was authored by Republican Senators Mike Lee of Utah, Jim Inhofe, Oklahoma, Tom Tillis, North Carolina, Ted Cruz, Texas, David Perdue, Georgia, and Bill Cassidy, Louisiana. The senators are asking Tillerson to launch a full-scale investigation into these funding efforts in order to determine how exactly the Obama administration sought to promote left-leaning causes and political parties across the globe. This even includes, by the way, a, a substantial chunk of money that was sent to groups in Israel that were opposed to Bibi Netanyahu. Now, that looks like something that deserves investigation. How much of you are hearing of that on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC? Virtually none. None of what I'm reporting here are you hearing which is an indication of the divergence between uh, what we know to be the case, which I'm reporting here from sources I have authorized, signified for you yourself to judge, where you're able to verify them yourself, and what we're being told by the mainstream media, which is nothing but fake news after fake news after fake news. A rather amusing development took place on MSNBC, by the way, involving the... uh, uh, a, a veritably deified uh, Rachel Maddow in terms of the left liberal uh, groupings 
for revealing Trump's 2005-1040 tax forms. Uh, Rachel made a big deal about it. She hyped it. Breaking, we've got Trump tax returns tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, MSNBC. Seriously. Uh, Rachel, however, reported that in 2005, Trump earned $152.7 million and paid $38.4 million in income taxes, which is an effective tax rate of 25.1%. That turns out to be a higher tax rate than most people in his income group, who had an average tax rate of 22.48. Obama's own tax rate in 2014 of 19.5. Romney's in 2011, which was only 14.1. Even Bernie Sanders, 13.5. So it was an epic fail what a colossal embarrassment, what a backfire, what a bombshell. Uh, Rachel Maddow reveals Trump pays higher tax rates than Obama and Bernie, or Trump paid 25, Bernie 13, Obama 19. Unbelievable. Obama made a surprise visit to Hawaii, by the way, just 48 hours before the judge blocked the Trump travel ban. A ruling by a federal judge in Hawaii that blocked President Donald Trump's travel ban was announced less than 48 hours after Barack Obama made a surprise visit to Honolulu, leading some to speculate the former president may have schemed with a judge that he originally appointed himself. And indeed, the reasoning of the judge appears to be completely specious. Uh, He issued a temporary restraining order, mainly because the executive order purportedly violated the Establishment Clause, with Watson, the judge, reduced to this formulation. The clearest command of the Establishment Clause is that one religious denomination cannot be officially preferred over another. But even Watson admitted it's undisputed that the order itself does not facially discriminate for or against any particular religion or for or against religion versus non-religion. So there's nothing to support this in the executive order. So it's not Trump's executive order that arguably violates the establishment clause. It's his interpretation of the alleged intent behind the order, which Trump supposedly revealed in statements he made during the presidential campaign and otherwise concerning Muslims. Well, this is completely absurd. It's judicially improper. It's simply ridiculous that he would making such an appeal. Uh, Who knows what changes of heart, what change in knowledge or attitude or disposition could undergo a man who becomes president of the United States from statements made on the campaign trail to his position as the actual sitting president of the United States. But it's fascinating to understand that new studies are showing that unless we modify our uh, immigration policies, we're heading for a fourth hundred million, primarily out of immigrants, uh, by the year 2040. Uh, I'm looking at a graph that has a green line where the American population uh, would be leveling off as a normal projection, but where by virtue of this uh, uh, massive influx of immigrants, if it's not constrained, we're going to have an overwhelming increase in the population by immigrants. It's also very interesting, however, to note that since Donald Trump became president, there's been like a 40 percent reduction in illegal crossing of the board with Mexico. Uh, This is a very significant development. Uh, They weigh our rhetoric and then they compare rhetoric to action. For all of Obama's tough talk about people beginning being the deporter in chief, people wanting to cross the border knew it was a sham. Not so for Donald Trump. 
not only are we going to have problems with this massive influx in, in immigrants, which is going to completely transform uh, the character of the population in the geographical United States, but illegal immigration is uh, imposing a massive uh, underreported uh, impact on public education. Public school districts, of course, the United States are suffering under a massive unfunded mandate imposed by the federal government. The requirement to educate millions of illegal aliens, the school aid children of illegal aliens, refugees and legal immigrant students, the struggle to fund programs for students with limited English proficiency, sometimes called English language learners, represents a major drain on school budgets. Yet due to political correctness... Yet due to political correctness, it is taboo to raise the issue, even though scarce resources are redirected away from American citizens to support programs like English for speakers of other languages and English as a second language. And that's indeed an underreported problem. Uh, The migrants come here to the United States and they wind up benefiting from social welfare programs uh, at the taxpayer's support. Where, where they aren't being productive or contributing to American society. When the Donald went to Mexico to visit with the president, I reviewed the Mexican immigration policies. And frankly, they're far superior to our own. They require in the first place that in order to immigrate into Mexico, you may, must be able to demonstrate that you have something to contribute to the good of Mexico. Second, If you want to immigrate to Mexico, you must be able to demonstrate you have the financial means to support yourself and any relatives who are entering Mexico with you. In the third place, if any Mexican uh, marries a non-Mexican in order to make them a citizen of Mexico, they're subject to fines. Uh, Those are all appropriate policies we ought to adopt. The vast majority of these immigrants most definitely cannot demonstrate they have any good to contribute to the uh, American society, cannot demonstrate that they can financially support themselves. They're becoming a vast drain on our society at a time we have all too limited resources available for ordinary American citizens. Julian Assange, by the way, has revealed that Hillary and Intel officers are quietly pushing for a Mike Pence takeover. Over the weekend, uh, we noted chatter. Some saw Mike Pence as the deep state's insurance policy. And now, judging by tweets from WikiLeaks' Julian Assange, that may well be the Clinton intelligence officials' plans. Julian Assange... Clinton stated privately this month that she is quietly pushing for a Pence takeover. She stated that Pence is predictable, hence defeatable. Another from Julian Assange. Two YC intelligence community officials close to Pence stated privately this month that they are planning on a Pence takeover. Did not state if Pence agrees. As the Daily Caller notes, Assange's claims appear to come in response to reports that President Trump's author- authorized the CIA to perform drone strikes on terrorists on Monday evening. I'm concerned with several aspects of the Trump foreign policy, including increased drone strikes, which are up 432 percent. We know 90 percent of the casualties are civilians. This is this is a bad policy. Here's another uh, tweet from Julian Assange. By handing unilateral power to the CIA over its drone strikes at this time, White House signals that bullying, disloyalty, and incompetence pays. (coughs) 
As we concluded previously, if Trump doesn't adopt the Cold War 2.0 approach of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and is forced out of his own administration in the same manner as Flynn, it will become clear why once we learn who would replace Mike Pence. <clears throat> no matter what one makes of Trump or his administration of policies that have been initiated thus far, the fact remains that Trump won the U.S. election. The people working behind the scenes to oust him are not subject to Democratic controls, nor are they working in the best interests of the American public. We are left to ask ourselves exactly how renewing relations with Russia, a nuclear power, could possibly endanger American lives. Either way, we are more or less left with two paths ahead of us. The first path involves Trump giving in and adopting an anti-Russian agenda, as is already apparent in his decision to send more ground troops to Syria alongside Saudi troops who will intentionally oppose the Syrian regime, which is a close ally of Russia. A second involves the possibility of another direct coup within the Trump administration, this time one that may ultimately force Trump out of the White House so he can be replaced by Mike Pence, a war hawk who will be more than happy to do the job Hillary Clinton wanted done. But, of course, there's a third way, namely that Trump cleans the swamp, uh, gets rid of these people who are seeking to subvert his administration, and moves to advance the interests of the American people and of the United States. Let us hope that that should uh, prevail. And indeed, if we want more proof of leaks against Donald Trump, there's a massive number of them. So far in 2017, for example, deep state saboteurs have been involved in seven high-profile and probably illegal leaks. July 25th, draft executive order to reopen CIA black sites. February 2nd, President Trump's call with Mexican and Austrian leaders. February 9th, transcript of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's call with Russian ambassador. February 14th, Trump associates contacts with Russia. February 17th, memo suggesting 100,000 National Guard troops may round up illegal immigrants. February 24th, Rex Tillerson's anti-leak memo. March 1st, Jeff Sessions meeting with Russian ambassador. Those are leaks that come from surveillance. I mean, it's become st stupid beyond belief to maintain that, there are, are, that these leaks aren't taking place. And indeed, there's a mass of CNN f f fake news stories that are taking place as well. Uh, uh, truly, truly outrageous. Uh, and, and, and hopefully they will be defeated, that the truth will emerge, and the president of the United States will be able to get on with the business of his presidency, which includes draining the swamp. Anyone who'd like to contact me, just write to jim at moonrockbooks.com. If you have a question you'd like me to address, a critique, a criticism, I thrive on criticism, I, I would be delighted to hear from you. So bear in mind, it's easy to reach me, jim at moonrockbooks.com. Thanks to all of you for listening.
Did you know that the license for the Pulse Club expired in 2013? That its legal occupancy was only 150? That if 50 had been killed and 53 wounded, there should have been abandoned cars all over the place? Did you know that the Dallas photograph of a series of officers behind a large wall was photoshopped? That they had to increase the size of the wall to fit the officers in? That they had orange blank adapters on their weapons? Did you know that Hillary has used body doubles? One following her collapse at the 9-11 event was shorter, weighed 35 to 40 pounds less, and looked at least 10 years younger. A May Ryan type, a second, on the plane to Greensboro was taller and slimmer and looked more like Meryl Streep. We prove it all. Don't let yourself be played. Check out From Orlando to Dallas and Beyond. Hi, if you're interested in the book From Orlando to Dallas and Beyond, then contact me in New Orleans at 504-298-6791. Or you can go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com. 504-298-6791.